the thread running through all of today's readings is the theme of second chances. We screw up, we ask God's forgiveness, we obtain it, we generally screw up again. The psalmist this morning cries, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This prayer could rise from any of our lips, asking for a second chance. From Exodus, God's wrath against the Israelites burns hot when they are found worshiping a golden calf. And I'm sorry, but I have to interject a side note here. I wish I could remember from which biblical comedy film I saw this in. Uh, Not that there are that many of them. But there is a scene where Moses leaves the encampment of the Israelites to go up to Mount Sinai. As soon as he's gone, the camera lingers on the people in the camp for no more than seven seconds before someone cries out, Where is he? Why has he gone so long? What's going to become of us? Quick, Aaron, we need something to worship. Make us a golden calf. (laughs) And the next scene shows everyone in a drunken revelry dancing around the calf and carrying on. Seven seconds. Anyway, in today's reading from Exodus, poor Moses has just been given the Ten Commandments on heavy stone tablets which he has to juggle while trying to convince God not to utterly destroy the Israelites. God says, Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation. God wants to start over with Moses as the new Abraham, if you will, the father of a great people, a clean slate, a fresh start after utter destruction, of course. But Moses talks him out of it. Well, Yahweh, you know, this won't exactly help your reputation around here. I mean, the Egyptians will laugh and say that you just brought your people out of captivity so you could slaughter them in the mountains instead. And remember that you made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants, and breaking it would also damage your credibility. So please, turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. And God does relent for the moment. (laughs) A second chance. A second chance is central to our reading from the first letter to Timothy. Ostensibly written by St. Paul, today's passage recounts his own transformation. I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence, but I received mercy. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that reason, that very reason, I received mercy so that in time, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience. Given all that Paul soon accomplished, this second chance was wildly successful. The Pharisees and scribes are grumbling because Jesus welcomes collectors, tax collectors, and sinners to his table. So he tells them three parables, two of which we hear today, the third being the parable of the prodigal son. A shepherd searches for the one lost sheep, leaving behind the other 99. 
A woman scours her entire house, searching for the one lost coin out of ten. When they are found, the seekers call together their friends and neighbors to celebrate. So it will be in heaven, Jesus says, great rejoicing over the one sinner who repents. That's why Jesus hangs out with the tax collectors and prostitutes. He wants to lead them back into the fold. But aren't there other sinners present in today's gospel reading? Unlike those people eating with Jesus around the table, these sinners are unaware of their need for a second chance. These Pharisees and scribes find it easy to judge and condemn others, in part because their status in the culture is assured. People look up to them. It's human nature to look back down on those you don't even want near you. And I know that the classic and true reason Jesus tells these three parables is to explain why he consorts with society's outcasts and also to show that God's compassion and concern extends to everyone, and maybe even especially to the lost. That is the main message. But today, this morning, my heart has snagged on another thought. Okay, <laughs> so I'm doing it again, listening to depressing audiobooks on my commute to and from church and getting upset about the state of the world. I've preached about this before to uh, great acclaim. <laughs> the latest book I'm listening to is Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City by Matthew Desmond, which won the Pulitzer Prize for General Nonfiction in 2017. It tells the story of desperately poor tenants in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, my hometown and of the landlords who make money off their plight. Some of the people are black, some are white, all are stuck. The descriptions of their living situations are pretty nauseating, so I will spare you that. The terrible life decisions they make, including drug addiction and violence, as well as the violence inflicted on many of them in their past, are not shied away from in the book. They are called out on their responsibility as well. One of the most haunting sentences I read in the book was, she had a baby in a toilet and left it there. About a teenager who was just too young to even comprehend what she was doing. When two black women dare to look at an apartment outside of the mostly black north side, the landlord unthinkingly mentions another apartment he has to show, then realizing his error, and right in front of them, he pretends his cell phone is ringing. Pretend answers it and says afterwards, oh, that was my partner. He just rented that place to someone else. The husband of a poor white couple who are looking for a place to live tries to ingratiate himself to the landlord by saying, Hey, what's the one word you never want to call a black person that begins with the letter N and ends with the letter R? Neighbor. And, you know, I hate to admit it, but I laughed. When all you see around you is trash and when you are treated and told that you are trash time and again 
and have been treated as such growing up, um, you sometimes live into it. Why am I telling you all this? Am I trying to bum you out too? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> I guess because as I am sometimes listening to this audiobook in the past week, I'm arriving in Los Gatos and driving down University Avenue to the church. I see not one black person. And the juxtaposition of the horrifying narratives that I'm hearing in the car with the gorgeous vista that I'm seeing all around me makes me feel two things simultaneously. Judgment and relief. I judge this whole town and find it guilty of the economic exclusion we can see all up and down the peninsula, with a few exceptions. And I feel relieved that I get to be the rector of a church in this same town, instead of a pastor on the north side of Milwaukee. And so I ask myself, who is the sinner here? Another story that I want to tell you uh, just occurred. I'm not sure if it'll fit in. Uh, as most of you know, I was at, uh, in Long Beach prior to coming to Los Gatos. And before that, I was uh, an unpaid assisting clergy at St. Mark's in Palo Alto for about a year and a half. It was a great experience. And one of the people who worked there uh, is named Agustin. He's the sexton, which is basically kind of the groundskeeper of the church campus. Agustin has been there for nine years, and I knew him, and he was, you know, a good part of the staff. Uh, just this last week on, I believe, Tuesday night or Wednesday, uh, he was picked up by ICE and arrested and uh, is facing deportation. And Agustin uh, was brought to the United States in diapers when he was a baby and grew up all of his life in Redwood City and went to the high school there. And, um, you know, he owns a house and is married and has five kids, and I think is about 40 years old. Uh, but because of a traffic violation he got while a senior in high school, and because he had some tools in his car that an officer decided were weapons, uh, he has never been able to get his citizenship, unlike the rest of his family. And so here we are, uh, and he is in jail and facing deportation. He knows no one in Mexico. He, they don't have any family there anymore. And so the rector of St. Mark's sent an email out to a bunch of us and um, let us know what was going on. And their vestry have approved uh, a collection that they're taking up to help with his legal needs. And um, I feel judgment and relief. Judgment for our country. I know I'm not alone in this. Uh, judgment that we can't seem to find reasonable immigration laws and balance that with compassion compassion for people who are trying to find a way out of their terrible circumstances and into new life, much like the people in the book I'm listening to. So judgment, and there's a lot to go around. Some of it is self-inflicted for the little that I do to help the situation. And you know, to be honest, relief. I was born in this country. My parents came here in the 50s when it was easier, and I get the benefits of being an American citizen. And um, yeah, there's some relief in that too. It's not me. So who is a sinner in that situation, or who are the sinners? Who is, culp <coughs> who is culpable? 
So at the risk of being reductive and painting us all with one uh, paintbrush, I think we all carry in our hearts some degree of that same judgment and relief that we're not poor, undocumented, black, or drug addicted. Maybe we carry some guilt too, though often not enough to act on it. Maybe we have some defensiveness, at least just enough to remain unself-aware. But I think we are all lost sheep, and I think we are also all sinners to a certain extent. If only we could embrace those twin truths in ourselves, we might begin to relate to the all-too-human sins of others, to love them back into the flock. We are, after all, part of the same flock in God's eyes. The prophet Isaiah writes, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who is it really that needs a second chance in the eyes of God? Uh, I know I do. And I hazard a guess that maybe all of us do at a certain point in our lives. May we welcome that second chance and put it to good use. Amen. Amen.